Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Friday, November 3rd. I'm Stephen Overly. Think of all the unknowns surrounding the 2024 election. Is Trump going to be the Republican nominee? Does he have what it takes to beat Biden? Will Democrats or Republicans control the Senate? You will find all sorts of pundits and polls to weigh in on this question or that question. But what if you could wager money on those predictions in the political version of a financial market? I'm not talking about black market betting on politics. That's been around forever. These political markets promise a regulated exchange where you can put money behind or hedge against the outcome of political events with the potential for an election day payday. It's an idea that's being pursued by startup companies like Predictit and Kelshi, and one that is running afoul of the industry's chief regulator, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. This week, Kelshi actually sued the CFTC, arguing the agency wrongly blocked its plan to open one of these markets for betting on election outcomes. It's a case that, depending on how it plays out, could effectively kill this nascent industry. But that's where this regulatory fight stands today. To really understand these controversial markets, let's rewind the clock. Early on in my uh, college journey, I got really obsessed with finance. This is Tark Mansour, the 27-year-old co-founder of Kelshi. So I started working at some of the places I go to for trading, and, and I worked at Goldman, Citadel, a variety of prop shops. And uh, there was something really interesting and striking that was going on. It was the summer of 2016, and that striking thing going on, it was the upcoming Brexit referendum. A lot of the flow that was coming to the desk that I worked at at the time uh, was event-driven. And so you would have funds, high net worth individuals, corporations, institutions would come to the desk and ask, hey, how can we hedge against Brexit? Or how, could, how can we trade on Brexit, get exposure to Brexit directly? For Tarek, an idea was born. And so here's where the notion of like, well, how about we build a general purpose exchange? Think like the New York Stock Exchange, where instead of trading on stocks, you're trading on events, like you would trade a stock. And this was the genesis of Kelshi. On Kelshi today, there are platforms that allow you to bet money on events like the length of a government shutdown or the Fed's next change to interest rates. But plans to create an election market have attracted special scrutiny, even beyond the CFTC. There are concerns these markets would create financial incentives for election misinformation and meddling, and further debase an online information environment that already seems unreliable. On the show today, Tarek argues that's not the case, and that his political markets are not illegal. So this industry is is regulated by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which, as I understand it, is effectively blocking the you know the political trading that Kelsey's looking to do. The reasoning behind that seems to be the agency sees this as a form of gaming and 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 violating some state laws. I mean, is is what you're proposing here different from from gaming or, or gambling? How do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a great question. Obviously, the question that we get asked all the time. So, I mean, there are two questions like uh, the, the central question of is this gaming? And, and I think there's a little bit of elegance in this. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big financial history geek. And, uh, you know, you know the, sta- the sort of uh, the statement of uh, history uh, uh, doesn't repeat itself exactly, but it rhymes. And I think history is rhyming quite a bit here in the sense that 
very consistently when there's sort of bold financial innovation being brought to the marketplace, very consistently the word gaming or gambling is thrown around. So when insurance, life insurance was brought and started to become sort of mass adopted, there was a big push against it as like, oh, well, this is, this is bad. This is gambling on human lives, et cetera. Well, I mean, some people, obviously the insurance companies are, you know, modeling these things and forecasting and that's how they make money. Uh, but imagine we lived without life insurance today. That would be a bad place to be in uh, because some people need to hedge that risk and it's a very important risk to be hedged and insured against. And then similar thing happened with grain futures. I always like to quote this. Originally, grain futures, again, people were saying this is gambling. Some people are gambling. And there's a beautiful quote from uh, uh, Justice Holmes in 1905, their Supreme Court decision, where he says, sure, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing here. Sure, some people endeavor to speculate on this, but the reason why these are crucial is because some people are hedging, especially the farmers. And without those types of products, you know, um, farmers wouldn't have price certainty and, you know, the bre- bread that you and I eat, ate for breakfast this morning would be more expensive. Financial in- innovation is crucial, but, you know, in some ways it's always met with skepticism and always met with these types of uh, 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 pushback. So in our case, election markets, some people will speculate, uh, but they're crucial for two reasons. It's because one, there's a lot of risk tied to elections. I mean, this is why they matter, right? It's one of the most important processes that America goes through every four years and determines the next four years for, well, even more so than the next four years for the country. People are exposed from an economic, social, and a variety of other perspectives, and they can hedge their risk, do something about it. The same way that currently, actually, institutions do. Institutions have exclusive access to uh, election hedging tools. If you go to a big bank, et cetera, they will structure something for you. And in some ways, we have a strong belief that, this should be uh, accessible to anyone and not just to uh, ultra-rich. Clearly, if you're, you're quoting Supreme Court, Supreme Court justices and rulings from the past, I, I think it indicates a bit where Kelsey's headed, but you're filing a lawsuit you know, against the CFTC. What is the case that you're bringing here? So I think there's a few simple things. Uh, and I would say like there's, maybe I'll segment it into the high-level message and then the sort of details. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the details. The details is, you know, this is legal. Uh, it's legal under the current statute and what Congress intended for uh, the uh, regulator. And, you know, uh, we have deep amount of respect for the CFTC. It's been an incredible regulator to work with. Uh, we've, you know, always had a deep type of, like we've always worked up front and engaged with the regulators before we do anything. We bring innovation. We never like to surprise. We always like to work in collaboration to bring these new products. And we've succeeded at doing that quite well. In this specific case, we believe the regulator got it wrong and it happens sometimes. And so we are going to challenge that, that on the legal basis of like, Hey, here's the law. Um, and you know, you, you got it wrong. You got the reading wrong. And, uh, we disagree with that reading. And, and, you know, we were, were going to ask the court to basically weigh in on that. And, you know, the reading for, from our perspective and variety of, of legal scholars perspective is quite clear that these should be allowed. Now the, the headline, it's all about essentially the importance of truth as an asset. And so the way I would put it is this. Polls suck and fake news suck. Our, you know, Americans today are being drowned out by no- noise and nonsense. And it's being, being increasingly hard to filter out the truth, to figure out, filter out the true signal. We don't know what's ca- ca- happening in the electoral process today. And um, uh, we believe that the U.S. deserves a trustworthy election forecast, a market-based election forecast that comes from people... Uh, putting their money where their mouth is. And the beauty of these ele- uh, of our election markets is they would bring clarity, transparency, and truth to the whole process. 
Um, and you know, this comes from a deep belief that at the end of the day, you know, I, I think American elections should be at least as trustworthy as the American financial markets and our markets would allow for that, in some ways restoring integrity of our election process. I guess that's an interesting perspective to me. How do you see this bringing more trust and transparency to elections? You know, I, I think there might be some who would argue that the financial markets are not always the most reliable or, or trustworthy. Um, you know, certainly we see swings in them, you know, from time to time. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I, uh, here, here's the way I would put it. No mechanism is 100% perfectly accurate. That will never exist. And, but, we should, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't thrive to constantly improving our mechanisms. And here are the facts. Polls are biased. Their, their accuracy has been decreasing over the last 10 years. The average poll accuracy has been decreasing over the last 10 years. Uh, depending on which news channel you open, you get va- vastly, drastically different information. Uh, the country is more polarized than ever. And fake news is rampant. It has become very, very difficult to distinguish signal from noise. And what we're offering here is, well, maybe our market is not, you know, is not always accurate, but it's going to be the most accurate. There's, going, there's a lot of theoretical, but also uh, hard evidence of these markets working. Uh, today, Calci has the most accurate forecast in the world for inflation, U.S. GDP, recessions, hurricanes, climate change, and a variety of other things. Why? Because it works. And the reason is very simple. When you ask someone to poll, they can just say anything. There's no skin in the game. They don't have, they can be biased. They can be, you know, just don't want to share their opinion or a variety of other things. But when you ask people to put their money where their mouth is, people become a lot more truthful. They have cost to lying. They have cost to not being precise. And this is the beauty of markets. Markets basically are a very good way to bring people to put real money, real skin in the game behind their opinions, behind their views. And when you aggregate all that you get crowd wisdom and you get, a, you know, what is and should be the most accurate forecast of what is going to happen with elections. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. Well, you know, as a tech reporter, I've, I've covered a lot of misinformation, especially around elections, you know, attempts to suppress voters, things like that. I, I have to ask, does this not in some ways create a new financial incentive for misinformation for kind of election meddling if you sort of introduce this idea of, you know, being able to, to you know, wager money or, or predict in markets kind of what the election outcome will be? I have two thoughts to this. First of all, and this is a great question and, you know, uh, one that we, we've thought a lot about, uh, about a lot. The notion that there is no economic or financial interest in election today is flawed. Right. Like, I, I, you know, sure. the, the reality is actually, you know, obviously people vote based on their social beliefs, based on their beliefs around climate change, based on their beliefs around uh, how their local government should be run and a variety of other things. But one of those key beliefs is also the economy. 
finance, its financial and economic interests. Of, and so these already exist and they exist from, you know, obviously small individuals all the way to large institutions. Like if you're an oil conglomerate, your economic incentives are very, very clear on how you'd want to vote. vote. And you can give examples uh, on the other side as well. Um, so those interests exist. They, intri- they exist in sometimes, you know, at the small scale, but also at the large, like we're talking multi-billion, sometimes multi-tens of billions of dollars scale. And this, which is why you see all the lobbying and the PACs and all the different things that it's basically set up in the country um, around this. And in many ways, you can actually argue that if there is any impact, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the impact in a second, if there is any impact, it would actually be positive because it would allow some people to hedge out some of that risk and basically open up a little bit more air to basically think about things that are not necessarily economic. Other types of things that are also very important for, for, for uh, the country. On to my second point. The thing about markets is that they are an incredibly good self-calibration like, mechanism. It is very hard to manipulate markets. It is easy to manipulate polls. You can just sample from, you know, whoever, you know, you can change the sample. You can pick, handpick the types of people that are participating in the poll to get the result, result you want. You can ask the questions in ways that bias it as well. That, that it's much easier to, you know, do that for polls. But for a market, it is very hard. It's a little bit like in the financial market where well, one, like any traditional financial markets, we surveil these markets. There's regulatory oversight. We see everyone who's trading, how they're trading, et cetera. And there, you know, there's basically prosecution around these things if people cheat. But two, markets are very good at, at basically arbitraging away any weird pricing inconsistencies. If someone is trying to push the price up, like in any traditional market, the hedge funds, it's smart money, brings it back down. Because they know there is, there's an artificial and, you know, whoever's trying to do that will lose money and the hedge funds will make money or the smart traders will make money out of bringing the price back down. And that's the beauty of markets. You know, the other thing I, I think of, and I wonder if you think about this yourself, are you worried at all about being dragged into kind of political fights, particularly here in Washington, by getting into, um, you know, election markets? I, I just think of all the very different business model. But I think of social media companies that I've covered where they find themselves at the center of these political fights often. And it's not exactly a comfortable place for a company to be, as you can imagine. My simple short answer to this is, you know, I would say, you know, uh, innovating and building something enduring is just not comfortable. And maybe that's one of the dimensions where it won't be comfortable. But there's a lot of other dimensions where it won't be comfortable. Uh, you know, we've had to go through a lot to get to where we are. And my guess is we're going to have to go through a lot to get to our next step and the one after. Um, and so what we try to focus on is, well, are we doing the right thing? Uh, and if we're doing the right thing over time, the world will converge towards it. And we have strong conviction and belief that we are doing the right thing. The world needs these markets. These markets have shown how incredible they can be and how powerful they can be at aggregating the wisdom of the crowd and bringing transparency and truth. Uh, for a variety of things. And I think this should be applied for our most important political process, which is the U.S. elections. And so I guess, you know, is that when you think about this lawsuit you're bringing in and potential outcomes, is that really what you feel is on the line? I definitely believe this is on the line. Uh, I believe, you know, bringing truth and transparency into the election process is on the line because this is really the only mechanism to do so. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to keep relying on the, you know, decreasing, you know, uh, decreasingly accurate uh, polls and the fake news that is rampant. Um, the second thing is, you know, this is a little bit more, you know, I, I'm a personally a bit more of a, of a market purist, but uh, uh, I personally, you know, I personally think that access should be equal. 
economic risk uh, tied to election and importance of the data and the forecast tied to election is shared equally by large institutions all the way down to the average American. But the access to tools to do something about it is not shared equally. Uh, again, currently it's capped. If you have a certain net worth, I don't know exactly what the number is, but you have to have above $20 or $30 million net worth to be able to walk in and be allowed into a big bank's lobby to, for them to structure a product uh, and give you data about what's going on with the election. And I just don't think that's fair. I think everyone should have equal access to this in an open and transparent way. And I think that's also a stake. Interesting. It's, a, it's a, I think, an interesting perspective. You know, we hear so often from people who say uh, money should be taken out of politics to make it more, more equal, right? You know, remove money from elections, make them publicly financed or what have you. And I guess I, I, the, one of the takeaways I sort of have from this conversation is that y- you sort of see it as the opposite in a way, putting, putting more money into politics, more sort of financial stakes um, makes it more equitable. I think there's a big, I mean, I think there's a fundamental difference between the, 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 the ways that we're talking about money here. I mean, you know, the money into politics is like, is the money being put into influencing politics and donating and donations, et cetera. And that's something that I, I frankly don't think we have anything to do with as a company. Uh, the, the, our markets are more about forecasting what is going to happen. It's more about putting money and having people put, have skin in the game where they're making forecasts about what's going to happen and having a market-based mechanism to get truth about what is going to happen to the elections. Because if, if anyone asks you and I, Stephen, about what is happening in the 2024 elections, I don't know. I mean, if I go on Fox versus CNN, they will give me drastically different answers and I have no idea. So how can I be expected to make informed decisions as an individual or as a business? How can you be expected to, you know, get smart about the future and, you know, make life choices if I don't know and have reasonable information to, to, to sit on about the most, one of the most important processes that America undergoes every four years. So in some ways, you know, I'd say this money is actually spent helping us all navigate uncertainty and doing something about it and really getting informed about the future. Excellent. Well, listen, Tark, thank you so much for joining us on Politico Tech. Thanks so much, Stephen. Talk soon. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here on Monday.